Good morning, church. Will you open your Bibles with me? We're going to read Luke 19. We're going to start in verse 1. Jesus entered Jericho and was passing through. A man was there by the name of Zacchaeus. He was a chief tax collector and was wealthy. He wanted to see who Jesus was, but because he was short, he could not see over the crowd. So he ran ahead and climbed a sycamore fig tree to see him, since Jesus was coming that way. And when Jesus reached the spot, he looked up and said to him, Zacchaeus, come down immediately. I must stay at your house today. So he came down at once and welcomed him gladly. All the people saw this and began to mutter, he's gone to be the guest of a sinner. But Zacchaeus stood up and said to the Lord, look, Lord, here and now I give half of my possessions to the poor. If I've cheated anybody out of anything, I'll pay back four times the amount. And Jesus said to him, today salvation has come to this house because this man too is a son of Abraham. For the Son of Man came to seek and to save the lost. Will you pray with me? Lord God, you are good, good Father, and you come for us. Today, would you speak to us through your word? Would you remind us of what things we have forgotten, of things we need to hear you say? Would you be close, and would you use my words in this time to build your kingdom? In Jesus' name, amen. Uh, I don't know about you guys, but I am desperately in need of this series. The last few months have been a lot, and I have found myself pouring through my Bible, trying to stumble upon a story that I must have forgotten about, where Jesus just grabs someone by the shoulders and says, I've got this. I've got this. And as I was preparing for what I would be sharing today, this story, the story of Zacchaeus, kept coming to mind And I kind of didn't really get why. I mean, like, Zacchaeus is short, like, I'm short. Other than that, there's, like, not really any real connection I feel with him. And so I kind of blew it off a few times. But it kept coming up. And so finally, I just surrendered and said, okay, fine, Zacchaeus, whatever, we'll figure it out. And as I have spent time with this story, I have been so, like, shocked at how rich it is and how comforting it is and how much hope it has instilled in me because This story is what happens when we turn our eyes upon Jesus and when Jesus turns his eyes upon us, that we get to see him, that he sees us, that he knows our longing and our need for renewal and that his salvation is for us and that he invites us to join him in that work that he's doing. And that is a word that I need today. And I hope one that you do too. So, Let's jump into the text. We're going to start in verse 1. We're just going to, it lays out some context, so we'll just explain it quickly, right? We have Jesus. He's entered Jericho. He's on his way to Jerusalem. Jesus is at the tail end of three years of ministry. He's been traveling and teaching and healing and doing all these amazing things, and he's been, like, gathering a crowd as he did it. I mean, like, he literally recruited his disciples, right? But there are all these other followers who are just, like, enamored with what he's been up to and and follow him and listen to him and want to hear more about him. And everywhere he goes, the crowd grows, right? We know that when Jesus gets to Jerusalem, which is the religious center of Judea, this is the beginning of the end for him. We know that Jerusalem is where he's going to be tried, where he's going to be crucified, where, praise the Lord, he'll rise from the dead— But we're like coming up to the last stop on this train before that happens. And in the Gospel of Luke, this is the last like personal interaction Jesus has before he gets there. And Jericho is like, if Jerusalem is like the religious center, you can think of Jericho as like a social center. Think of it like a New York or a San Francisco. Like 
you're meant to like be like, oh, Jericho, like it's bougie. There's like money and it's a big place of industry and wealth. People had vacation homes there. So Jericho is like kind of a big deal. And this moment is like a very sweet, specific moment that Jesus just like zooms in on with us. And then we have this guy, Zacchaeus, this tax collector. And um, we don't like have anything to really parallel tax collectors to these days. I mean, maybe like the person who writes tickets for cars, because like that's heartless. Sorry if you write tickets for cars, Jesus loves you. But you know, it's like not the best for us who get the tickets. Um, but it's like really way worse than that. Tax collectors were people, were Jewish people in the middle of a Jewish community who were contracted out by the Roman Empire to charge like an oppressive, unfair taxation on the people of Israel, on the Jewish people. So one, you're a traitor to your people because you're working for this foreign oppressive government collecting money. But like, that's not even the worst of it because you charge more than you're supposed to because this is how you're making your living too. So like, you're a, a manipulator and an aggressor against your own people on behalf of an oppressive government. Like, you're just the worst. But you're not just like the worst to like the population. Like, you're the worst even to the religious community because you doing this is breaking Jewish law. You are being unjust and manipulating and controlling your own people. Like, this is against God's heart. So you're a sinner. So the religious want nothing to do with you either. And if you were like, maybe, well, you know, the Romans, like, they're my work buddies, right? Like, maybe they're a friend. Like, no, you're not a Roman citizen. You are literally a second-class citizen. So you don't have a friend in the world. And Zacchaeus is a chief tax collector. So he is so good at being, like, a smarmy, manipulative, horrible person. He, like, got a bunch of promotions, and he's like the boss and trainer of other people who are going to manipulate and control their own people. So Zacchaeus, not a good guy. And in all of my research and listening and reading and preparing for this, one thing that just like almost every scholar I studied had to say is you should think Danny DeVito. I don't know why, but apparently he is the like spokesperson for When a Man is Short. So think Danny DeVito. Um, but what I wonder is not so much about what he looks like, Danny DeVito, fine, um, but like what's going on inside of this guy? Because I can imagine you've chosen a profession that has completely isolated you, completely separated you from your community, from your family, from everything you've known, and you chose it, so like no one did that to you, but doesn't that make it worse? Like what kind of just like constant regretfulness or shame or like just all around horribleness do you feel that you're like trapped and, and you don't have any way out of this thing that is really like killing you, killing your soul. And I, I mean, I would imagine like it must be a lot like being in the mob, not that I've been in the mob, so I don't know, but like from movies, I would imagine like there's only one way out, dying, not great. And I wonder if Jesus knows this about tax collectors because we see him over and over, like, go to them. And maybe there's like some sort of chain email going through the tax collector business and they're just like, oh man, this guy Jesus came through and he had dinner with us. And like Matthew like left the company and is now traveling with Jesus. And I wonder if Zacchaeus in hearing Jesus is coming thinks like, could he do that for me? Like, could he, could he get me out? And I mean, we don't know, but there is something about his desperation, his curiosity to see Jesus that he hustles himself ahead of the crowd, shimmies up a tree in hopes of just seeing what this Jesus is all about. And that might not strike you as 
noteworthy. It's kind of funny if you picture like Danny DeVito like hustling past the crowd and then getting up a tree, but think about it. When have you ever seen anybody with power, privilege, money, hustle themselves anywhere or like climb up something to get a good like visual of something? You don't see that because if someone has privilege or power or money, they have people who do that for them. And they don't like climb things to see things. If they can't see, they have bodyguards who move people so they can see. But there's something about like Zacchaeus's hunger that he, he has to go, he, like is compelled, he has to go see this Jesus for himself. Whatever shreds of dignity he has left, which is not much, he shreds to get to see Jesus. And we get to verse 5. When Jesus reached the spot, he looked up and said to him, Zacchaeus, come down immediately. I must stay at your house today. So he gladly came down at once and welcomed him. And all the people saw this and began to mutter, he has gone to be the guest of a sinner. And so like if we were like watching the like Zacchaeus miniseries, this might be the part where like they tell the same exact scene three different times from three different people's perspectives. So we're going to do that. We're going to start like the crowd, and then we'll zoom in. So we have this crowd. These are Jesus's fans. They've been traveling with him. They've been watching him in action. And like, they're just excited and there's like a buzz and they're moving through, the, through Jericho and just like all kinds of things going on. And um, like maybe Jesus is like right in the middle of the crowd and they're talking to him and they're like, oh, do you remember like what he said about that? You know, and then Jesus stops. So everyone kind of like halts, right? And they're like, oh, why, why are we stopping? Like, do we, do we forget something? Like, are we, are we going the wrong way? Like, what's going on? And Jesus looks up in this tree and sees Zacchaeus. And all the people look up and they see Zacchaeus. Now, we think about what these people have watched Jesus do. And if you were them, you might think like, oh, wait a second, remember when Jesus called out those Pharisees? Remember when he like totally, like he called them like a brood of vipers. Like, oh man, Jesus is finally gonna like call out Zacchaeus. This guy is going to get whooped. Like, yes, justice, finally, right? And then they start making dinner plans. And the crowd mutters, like, what? Wait, you're going to go to his house? Like, just this, like, disgust. Like, how, what? This is not fair. This is not right. So then we zoom in on Jesus. And what, Jesus is walking. He's, like, surrounded by the crowd. They're moving. And Jesus knows that up just a little bit more, up in that tree, is Zacchaeus. He knows Zacchaeus. Like, he knows. And he gets to the spot, and he stops right in the middle of his journey with all these people around, and he looks up, he turns his eyes to Zacchaeus, and he calls him by name. Zacchaeus, come here, come down now. Come on, I'm coming over, come down. This like urgency in his calling out to Zacchaeus because Jesus, when he sees Zacchaeus, he sees the same thing he saw when he looked at the blind man, at the lame man, at the woman at the well. He sees this broken hurting, destroyed by sin person who needs help. And Jesus knows that just like the blind man, just like the lame man, just like the woman at the well, if Zacchaeus can just experience Jesus, Jesus can change everything about him. And so he invites himself over for dinner, but it's not just like an invitation. It's like this aggressive insertion into Zacchaeus's life. I'm coming now. Get down. We're going. It's now. We're like, there's no hiding. There's no running away. Jesus is coming for him. And then imagine being Zacchaeus. 
all of that like self-loathing and regretfulness and like wondering all that hope that maybe Jesus can be your out. Maybe Jesus can save you. Maybe Jesus will do something different for you. And you're up in the tree and you see the crowd and you hear them talking and there's excitement and then Jesus stops the crowd and he looks up and he makes eye contact with you. And maybe you have the same thought the crowd did like, oh, oh no. Like what, something, like something's about to happen. And what Jesus says is, come down, I'm coming down. Come, 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 come on. And like, what a moment of just like relief and life and hope this must have instilled in Zacchaeus to be seen and to be called by name. How did Jesus know my name? He like, he called, he knew him. He saw him. He really saw him. And we see in the next verse exactly what this does for Zacchaeus. We get to verse 8. It says, Zacchaeus stood up and said to the Lord, Look, Lord, here and now I give half my possessions to the poor, and if I've cheated anybody out of anything, I'll pay back four times the amount. And like, if we, it can be really easy to just look at that and be like, Oh, wow, like, Zacchaeus, like, way to go. Like, you met Jesus and you did the right thing. But there's a really important word to stop and catch before you see that. And it's the word Lord. When Zacchaeus says Lord, what he's saying is he's saying like, Jesus, like you are the Messiah. Like you are who you say you are. This is Zacchaeus turning his eyes upon Jesus and coming to the realization that he, I am wrong. I'm broken. You're God. You're righteous. You're holy. I need you. And what comes out of his mouth next is compelled by that revelation. You're God. Like you're right. I'm wrong. I'm gonna, I give half of what I have to the poor. I want to make things right. I'm going to give back four times what I've taken. That's not an arbitrary number. According to Jewish law, when money is stolen, that person is due back four times what, they were, what was taken from them. So what Zacchaeus is saying is like, Lord, you make me new. You've made me new. I can't do the old thing anymore. And it's almost like here, Jesus pushes pause on the whole thing. It's like one of those old corporate training videos where like you watch a little scene and then it pauses and the narrator's like, let's talk about what we just saw there. Like this is what Jesus does. He stops the scene and he says, today salvation has come to this house because this man too is a son of Abraham for the son of man came to seek and save the lost. When Zacchaeus recognizes that Jesus is the Messiah, like when he has that moment of, oh, you are what we've been waiting for. He's made new. He is saved. And this is what Jesus has been talking about since the moment he started doing his ministry. I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father but through me. I am, the, like, I am salvation. And here, in this moment, Zacchaeus turns his eyes upon Jesus and sees who Jesus is. And Jesus says, oh, salvation has come to this house. But that's not all, because as soon as Zacchaeus sees Jesus, calls him Lord, he's compelled to action. And that's the nature of salvation. Salvation requires a response. And we talked about this last week when we looked at Micah and when we looked at James 2, that God is looking for our faith and also our action. And Paul's going to drive this home later in the in his letter to the Philippians, he says, continue to work out your salvation with fear and trembling for it is God who works in you to will and to act in order to fulfill his good purpose. And the Greek word used there when it, when it says to work out your salvation means to do that from which something results. 
You can't separate them out. Seeing Jesus, meeting Jesus, will always cause change because Jesus said, I'm making all things new. New things have to take action to be new. Old things have to take action to become new. So when Jesus declares today salvation has come to this house, he's affirming and celebrating Zacchaeus. Yes, like you, you see me. Like you know, like you've come to see who I am. And now you are my like active partner in making more new things, in doing my new, my renewal. But Jesus also recognizes something fundamental about Zacchaeus' identity here. He says he too is a son of Abraham. And there's a few things that Jesus could be doing here. Like logistically, he could just be like, like stating the obvious kind of like, oh, he paid back four times. He has fulfilled Jewish law. Like, there you go, religious leaders. Like, he's, he's one of you. Look, he did, he did what your law requires. He could also just be like giving an endorsement to the people in the crowd who have written him off as a traitor. He's a son of Abraham. He's one of your people. He's wanting to make things right. Like, this is your brother. And just plainly, I think that Jesus is continuing to just narrate like how incredible this moment is because Zacchaeus is like a poster child for the story of God. The story of God that like started when sin and brokenness separated us from him and he began his plan for reconciliation with Abraham, this people who was gonna like usher in salvation, this people who were slaves in Egypt, delivered, redeemed, and now waiting for generations for a promised salvation. And here, here he is, our salvation, Jesus, standing here with this man, Zacchaeus, who in the book of Matthew, it's, Jesus says, I came to save the lost sheep of the house of Israel. Here's one of them, Zacchaeus, this lost man. I've come to seek him and to save him. And I, look, look what happens when I did. I made him new. Now he and I are working together to make other things new. So as we sit in this story, in this season, what can this tell us about Jesus? How can we look at this story and get some eye contact with Jesus and like understand something about him? Well, one, Jesus sees you. You, you can't be too far gone. There's no tree you can shimmy up and hide. There's no crime you can commit too huge. Jesus knows you, sees you, and is coming for you. His mercy is so good. It's too good. And that's good news. Salvation is for you. And it's tempting, I think, in this moment for us to take that, to take Jesus' salvation, his renewal, and to try to like put it on a side or put it as part of a, a system that we're trying to figure out in this moment in our world. But the thing is, like Jesus doesn't fit in our boxes. He doesn't align to our sides. He doesn't fit into our politics, our preferences, our expectations. He doesn't affirm the Pharisees and their enforcement of Jewish law. And he doesn't side with the crowd, like calling out Zacchaeus for what he's done. Jesus transcends sides because Jesus himself is true and he is just. And we are to align ourselves to him and his justice and his truth. Jesus knows our world's expansive need for renewal, and it is his work. He is committed to it. 
our salvation through him is a call, an invitation, a command to partner with him in his renewal of all things. We align to him. We partner with him in his work. We turn our eyes upon Jesus. We look full in his wonderful face because he has come to seek and to save the lost. And then we actively participate with him in his renewal on earth as it is in heaven. Let's pray. Lord, we don't deserve your kindness. We don't deserve your generosity. We don't deserve how fully you come for us. And we just thank you that you, that you still do. Lord, we just submit our, our frustrations, our hopes, our disappointments, our fears, and we lay them at your feet, and they're yours, Jesus. Like this world, this work of renewal is yours to do. And Lord, we just thank you that we get to participate with you in it. God, give us your vision and your passion for what it looks like when you make all things new. In Jesus' name, amen.